Hello and welcome to Loose Change, our regular look at what's happening in the fintech world and the people behind it making it all happen for us. I'm really pleased today to be joined by Alex Hall. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me, Mark. Hey, you know, you're my favourite person in, in art, so it's always uh, great to have you here. Uh, but obviously our listeners probably don't all know you. Do you want to tell a little bit about what you do at Iris? Sure. So I've been with Iris for about three, three and a half years, and I look after the... Seems longer somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it does seem. It seems like a lifetime. Um, uh, I look after the account management team in the UK for the wealth and trading teams. And so account management probably means a little bit different in each company that uh, we talk to and, and, and we've probably worked in. What does account management mean to you? What's the role of the account manager at Iris? Sure. Uh, so it's easily the most uh, important team um, here at Iris. Clearly. So, clearly. It, um, I think account management um, is uh, a mixture of knowing your clients, understanding their strategy, their business drivers, um, what they do and where they want to get to. Um, and then understanding how Iris can, can help them get there. So yeah. it's, it's kind of one part, you have a, a foot in the Iris camp and, and representing and putting your best foot forward uh, on your client's behalf, and then doing the exact same thing, representing Iris, uh, ensuring they're using the software correctly, ensuring they're happy, um, and we're helping them kind of realize their, their strategy. Um, for them. So is there a commercial element, a technology element, a relationship element? Is it all of those things put together? Yeah, it, it, it really kind of spans the full spectrum. So uh, I think that there used to be this notion that um, account managers were perhaps just relationship managers and they just did coffee and cake. Um, we've, we've worked really hard to, to kind of um, to change that. So of course, they need to have good relationships with their clients. That's first and foremost. Um, they also need to understand the competition, um, both our competition and our clients' competition, the market, um, I, I guess the, the kind of key drivers and influences within their, their company's bit, their, their clients' businesses, um, and they need to understand how the software works. They're not coding it, but gone are the days when the account managers didn't know what the software did, um, some kind of light configuration. Um, and I guess some, some light troubleshooting as well. And, and I think it's quite interesting because quite a lot of the podcasts that we're beginning to do and the conversation, to be fair, I have around the market are around the implementation process and how people get the best out of technology during the implementation process. But that's really the start of the journey, isn't it? So when it actually gets to where you get a real benefit out of the technology is the next, hopefully, 10 years that you're using that technology. And that's really when you're then coming over to the account management. It's not the first three months you're doing your implementation, it's the 10 years. Uh, and so the role of the account manager is vital in that. Yeah, it's critically important. So, um, you know, for the, for the most part, someone somewhere has decided to go and get budget to sign off on um, uh, acquiring software and then the, the kind of rolling out the implementation process. The, the kind of the realising of those business benefits isn't going to happen within the first one to two months. It's going to happen over... The, the, the kind of the subsequent months and subsequent years, um, the account manager is, is kind of key person for working with that client to ensure that they're realising those benefits, um, but they're also using the software correctly. They're getting the most out of the software um, and adapting it or configuring it as required. Or I, I guess um, in, in many instances, we've worked with clients where perhaps the configuration has been a little too complex we're now revisiting those clients and, and working with them to 
unravel some of that. I love that. I've seen that lots of lots of times actually, in, uh, both in Iris and in other firms, where actually you start off with a, an implementation uh, and you know what you know at that point, so you go forward with a solution. As you get that out there with the users, you realise things need to be tweaked and subtly changed. I, I mean, the one that I often quote is is workflow uh, and often I've seen people adopt workflow and then they realize actually we're firing off too many reminders to the individuals we're beginning to annoy our users let's simplify it let's declutter it that sort of thing absolutely it, it's like when you build a house or you you, you buy a house and you might have um, I, I guess uh, an idea of what you want to do with that or you have an initial snagging list it's only once you live in it that, that actually your snagging list or your plans for what you intend to do with that evolve and change over time. I think what we do see with many implementations or the better implementations is when they involve the, uh, I guess, the practitioners um, as part of that. So yeah. they really help them kind of define those processes and the workflow um, because they're so close to the day-to-day -day living of what they do. Um, some of those implementations um, that we've kind of uh, worked um, and, and had to kind of help the client revisit is where perhaps those practitioners or the doers weren't as close yeah. to the initial implementation as we'd like. Uh, good stuff. Now we're getting straight into some of the detail which is great but we all want, want to know a little bit more about you. So um, uh, I'm, I haven't warned you of these questions but uh, we do have a, a quick fire quiz uh, as always on uh, on these podcasts. So are, are you ready for a quick fire quiz? We're going to make this really focused. Go for it. Uh, for, an, well, for an Australian versus UK type dimension. For the, uh, the very astute listeners probably spotted your accent isn't quite as British as it could it's, be. It's not as posh as yours. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to go, first of all, uh, I'm going to go for a little bit of Australia versus and going to see whether we've anglicised you or not. So the, the first question is Vegemite or Marmite? Neither. 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 That's Neither. just that's the, that's a, a minor score on your yes. first question. Okay, let's let's let, let, let's try a different angle then. Christmas on a beach, or Christmas in the snow? Absolutely, Christmas on a beach. No. I, I, I think um, English people in particular, I think, are quite underwhelmed when they visit Australia and they see that um, we don't do the big lights. There's one or two lights somewhere. Um, the big light show that you guys do in in your malls and streets and whatnot. It doesn't stand out as well. We don't have malls, we have shopping centres. Yeah. Shopping centres, yeah. okay, there you go. Um, um, it, it doesn't stand out as well. Um, and no, my, I'll always go back to Christmas in the heat. It can sometimes get a little bit too hot. I have these memories of, um, you know, 40 degree days on Christmas Day. and it's You, you can't have a roast turkey on 40 degrees. No, you, you, eat, you eat the food cold. That's, it just sounds, sounds horrendous. Uh, okay, Tim Tams or penguins? I've never had a penguin. Um, we need to change that. Yeah, but I think um, Tim Tams obviously working with a lot of Australians here. It, it seems to be whenever they fly back, um, <laughs> they seem to bring a pack or two into the office. Uh, and and how do you how do you eat your Tim Tam? Quickly. Um, you don't. Suck yeah, no, red no, wine. I, I, I've the, heard the, people biting the ends off and sucking red wine through them. Or no, I'm not clever enough for any of that. Oh, okay. um, but I think it's it's amazing that English people um, do. I, I I find that question comes up a lot. About, about penguins on Tim Tams, which only makes me think there are a lot of Australians must have been over here. I think, I think, um, I think the, the Tim Tams were a copy of the penguins. Yes. Um, but, uh, okay, we're going to get even more controversial on Neighbours or Coronation Street. I've never, ever seen Coronation Street. We're not anglicising you well, are no, we? No, uh, we'll I've move never seen EastEnders, we'll but I intend to. We'll move rapidly on. <laughs> Kylie, and I tried to think hard of a, a famous... Cheryl Cole. Uh, uh, I was going for Lulu. 
I think Lily's bit before my vintage. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, know, I know I look like a, we're the same age, but no, I, I'm, no, I'm no, no. no idea who Lily is. Oh, okay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go for Kylie then. Kylie, I like yeah. Okay, so um, I think we're establishing you're pretty Australian, so I'm gonna, now going to go for um, an angle of how well you've observed England if you're not even we're not going to pretend you're English we're going to see how well you observe sure. uh, England so um, what is the highest mountain in England oh god I think some no, number of people you know I, did I the three peaks here just climbed it Ben Nevis uh, that's in Scotland okay uh, Scarfell Pike I was going to ask the height but since we didn't yes. get us uh, to that we'll move on what is the smallest city by geography size by dimensions no um uh Warwick? <laughs> I don't think Warwick's a city. Is Warwick a city? I don't know. It might be. I should know that. Um, no, it's, it's London. You nearly said it. City, oh, really? The city of London. Okay, square, that was... square mile, you see. Uh, it's the, the, the smallest city. Okay. Um, who is fourth in line to the British throne? Let me think about that. So, in line means, I appreciate, okay, so the Queen's in line, she's got it. So there's Charles, and there's William. And then his son. It's not making good. When you're whispering, it's not making good radio. Okay, I'm <laughs> you got to Charles, William, and I would say it's Harry. It's actually Charlotte, Princess Charlotte. Oh, there you so go. So you go. It's William's okay. second uh, child. So the last, but one. What is the longest town name in the in the British Isles? Silence. We flummoxed you, haven't we? I've never known you be silent in three and a half years. Yeah, I've, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm very bad with general knowledge. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have absolutely no idea. I believe, and excuse my pronunciation, it's Oh, There you go. Yeah. I, I was unlikely. <laughs> no, I didn't tricks. think you were going to get that. And, and um, the final um, question is, which is the best rugby team in the Six Nations? Wales, of course. Of course, well done, well done. Yeah. Right, so, so what we're on the Australian-UK thing, one of the, the um, and well done, um, uh, and I know you didn't get any heads up on those questions, so apologies for that. Um, what, but while we're on the Australian-UK uh, dimension, interested in the comparison between the financial services industries uh, in Australia and the UK. Sure. So I think, which in, in, in part first, we first... Um, uh, maybe, I guess, appeals to the kind of move to the UK is there are so many similarities in the financial services markets yeah. between the two countries. Uh. I, I think in many respects, um, they've evolved at a different pace. And yeah. I think it, of the kind of culture and conduct storm that the Australian financial services um, uh, sector has recently gone through with the Royal Commission, um, the, the UK actually went through something very similar um, with you know, RDR back, yeah. Spot on. Um, and, and so I, I think that the regulatory landscape is, is very similar yep. as a result. There's, I guess, kind of um, a, a kind of changes against um, things like conflicted remuneration. Similarly, there's kind of um, uh, investigations into um, fee-for-service and, and what clients are actually receiving for that. To that extent, there are a number of similarities. Um, I, I think the... Um, the private wealth side of things is is different here. It's obviously the I guess the, the volume and the levels uh -huh. levels of wealth. Yeah. Um. And with that comes the 
uh, sophistication of, um, of, of assets and instrument types yeah. um, uh, that people are investing into. Um, there's also, I, I guess, the, the discretionary, the size of the discretionary market over here is really unlike anything at home. Yeah, right? okay. and, and so that idea of having a mandate to, to manage client money yeah. is, is, is much more um, predominant here yeah. than what it is back in Australia. Yeah. It is interesting, though, that because um, you describe quite a lot of that as almost things happening here a little bit ahead of Australia. I think when we look at Australia, we sometimes see some of the things that happened in Australia happening a lot before here. So, you know, I think because some of the tax rules over in Australia have been quite complex, I think some of the, the drive to true financial planning happened earlier in, in in Australia and I think you know the development of things like platforms happened earlier in Australia is that is that fair as well yeah absolutely I think then from the um you're right so um the, the those items that Australia perhaps kind of did evolve and, and develop um sooner were I think around technology mm -hmm. um so certainly um there wasn't the downturn that there was here yeah and so a number of um, particularly the big banks were investing and they were investing specifically in financial services and, and, and wealth technology. Yeah. Um, so with that, I think you'll see, um, I was surprised by, I guess, how dated certain practices were when I moved over here. Yeah. I, I think um, at the kind of heart of the, the kind of the development, the evolution of the financial planning um, uh, side of things in Australia is the superannuation scheme, um, which is incredibly evolved yeah. um, and mature. I think it was 1992 um, when the Prime Minister introduced that. And as a result, you'll find that your average Australian has been paying a compulsory amount and quite a decent amount yeah. into um, superannuation or your equivalent of pension pots yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. With that, there came, I guess, the need for different advice models um, and different, um, I guess, uh, say tax tax optimization yeah. style models as well, which then came with the, the wraps and the platforms as well. Yeah, and that tax optimization strategy, that seemed to be something that went far lower down in value of pots as well than it did maybe in the UK. Absolutely, and, and I think it's, it's also because it's just been around for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when I left, it was something like compulsory 9%, I think it's now 12.5% yeah. of your salary is being put away until you can start to kind of, you, you can draw down on it sooner than um, what it used to be. Um, it's called transition to retirement. But previously, um, you couldn't access this until you were 65. Yeah. That's obviously come down. But therefore, your average, the average Australian does have um, savings, which needs to be invested somewhere. Yeah. Um, they usually go via um, into managed funds, um, which then sit on a platform somewhere. And, and I think then you look at the, how that's then flowed to the adoption of technology. And I think a lot of the leading software houses actually have roots down under um, Australia, New Zealand where, uh, uh, combined. So it, it, obviously Iris, uh, we're, we're biased about coming from down under, but if, if you look at the level of taxation that our cash flow tools and stuff go into, I think it's far more than anything I've seen in the market. But also then you look at the other big players in the platform markets, your FNZs, your GBSTs, I think it's Brevure from Australia yep. as well. Uh, so you've got a number of big players that then come across 
to the UK and been very successful. Sure. You also had, yeah, you're right. It's kind of, I think its roots were in the complexity of the solution. I think what you have over here is more best of breed style providers. Yeah. I think there are, were a number of firms, us in particular, that really went for that, pardon me, that, that breadth in capability. Yeah. Um, I also think that was really helped by, um, there are, there are really four big banks yep. in Australia that have something like 98% of the market share. Yeah, They then um, owned a number of smaller banks, but they then also um, owned, uh, I guess, four of the biggest wealth firms um, yeah. in the market. They're actually in the process of divesting um, yeah, those businesses yeah, yeah. At, at present. Um, so there were very deep pockets um, and there were expectations that those banks had upon their wealth arms they needed to be profitable. Uh, and to be profitable and to kind of um, have that return on the investment, they needed to have technology um, such as Iris that enabled them to have lean, efficient businesses. And this whole concept of best of breed versus getting it from one single area is a bit of a hobby horse of, my, of mine. Um, and, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm really for open systems because you will have to integrate with some solutions somewhere. So I think, and also, Selfishly, I think it keeps every element of your own business uh, on their toes if they have to have that module within their software competitive with the outside market and opening up your software does that. So I think it's great for us and for the marketplace to, to be open. But actually, having one solution that covers a breadth of things, you have one user interface, you have one flow of data, you have common data definitions across the process, you have um, uh, one supplier to manage. It goes on and on and on. It is a far more efficient way of delivering a, a great user experience to a financial advice firm. Yeah, completely. I, I, I think um, prior to coming here, I worked in um, consulting. And, and as, as part of that, we worked in, um, on vendor selection and helped firms select the optimal operating and business model for them. And, and so obviously that topic came up time and time again. There are pros and cons for either one. Yep. So, but very similar to yourself, the benefits of having one provider who releases the software that is tested along with other parts of the solution. Yeah, and that release cycle management to different not, versions. Yeah. But I also think it's the sign of, so with Iris Open, that's the maturing, that's a very healthy, smart, clever thing to do. Yep. Because they're actually there will be firms that want to, I guess, take on a slightly more, uh, um, it's not really a, necessarily a best of breed or a piecemeal solution, but there are some firms like the, um, the Sweetbox integration mm -hmm. that it actually makes sense for us to partner with someone else, yeah. um, in which case, why wouldn't we have um, a much more open integration approach. Hey, and look, you never know where your client has invested their money or why they're using a piece of software. And I think it's important to, for us to give our clients choice. Yes. Um, uh, as I say, that doesn't mean I think it, it gives necessarily the best solution, but if they've already invested a lot of money in, in training 200 advisors on a particular cash flow tool, or you know they they they, uh, they have a strong working relationship for ten years with a company. You're not going to uh, uh, change that. You should be working with that and, and taking it to market. You're right. I think I met with a number of clients recently where it's just so important that we're giving them that choice. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost a little bit arrogant 
to just to, to, yeah. to, to not provide them with that and to say although we don't provide that function we're still not going to be open to integrating with that yeah um i think it also has um you know kind of taken uh taken the fight a little bit to some of our own um uh functions and said well you know the client now has the option of going with x or y um, how good is our offering? Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's, that's that internal that, that, that's competition. That's so healthy. Great, right? that's great. It, it generates innovation. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's great. Uh, talking of innovation, I want to move on a little bit to, to some of the stuff we're doing in in, in, our, in our IRS. Uh, one of the, I guess, the things that we talked about account managers doing is helping clients for the next 10 years. And that's got to be also about showing them where IRS is going and leading through the roadmap. Um, I was looking at through the roadmap only yesterday in the latest edition, and uh, there's lots of exciting things coming along. What for you is jumping out as the big things that Iris is delivering over the next 12 months that you're excited for your clients? Yeah, I, I think the um, continued maturing and evolution of the client portal yeah, um, is, yeah. is a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's an absolute ticket to the game. Um, the client portal is really good, right? but it's almost on a weekly basis right now. I can see it getting more functionally rich, um, the UX improving as well. Um, it just makes so much sense if your data sits with Iris to then also be using the client portal um, that is drawing upon that data. And, and what I think is really interesting with that is that this time we've, we've built that, the latest iteration of the client portal on a contact management system and that's why we're seeing it develop so quick yeah. because uh, you've got such a robust platform that's underpinning it. We can just add content and add content and grow it forward uh, and, and it's moving at a pace. Definitely. And I also think that uh, I, I guess our clients, as in the um, financial advisors and, and investment managers, but then their clients, their their expectations now are so based upon their experiences with other industries. And, and therefore, I, I guess the, um, the, the app, um, which we're developing and, you know, we're, we're kind of partner and, and, and pair with the client portal is so important as yeah. well. So we're really looking forward to um, when that's ready to roll out to our clients. I think then, so um, on the slightly less sexy side, um, if I think of Lumen, right? So um, is obviously the kind of um, business intelligence and, and analytics software, yeah. which once again interrogates the data that sits within XPlan yeah. and then uh, reports that up. Um, to, Particularly in a compliance function, I guess, where where I've seen that used, and, and, and it's looking really um, bringing out some real interesting trends and, and and getting the whole advice firm on the front foot rather than re reactive. Definitely. So we we had a a, um, a session with a number of chief risk officers recently, and we uh, were very um, transparent and asked them what were the, the kind of the, the key things which were um, keeping them up at night. And it was this element of compliance and monitoring yeah. and, and being able to, uh, I guess, draw reports on, on who's done what, who's, etc. I hear you had a great demonstrator at that session as well. No, he was terrible. <laughs> I wonder who that could yeah. be. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, well, look, we've run out of time, sadly. Uh, I could have gone on all day on this. We'll have to do a, a, a second one uh, uh, as well. Um, but thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, uh, real, uh, both entertaining and insightful. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get a single question correct on the... Um... I think you got the last one. The Wales were the best uh, rugby team yeah, in, are, in, yeah. in, uh, in well, Great Britain. I think that, 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 that uh, did you proud. Um, but thank you very much for your time. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And do tune in again in a couple of weeks for more Loose Change. Do you see what I did there with the more Loose Change? Very clever. Very clever. Very Good. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.